Hello, and welcome to the Meeting Your Soul podcast. I'm Fair, your host, and I am so grateful that you're here today because I'm going to dive into a topic that has been pretty prevalent throughout my entire life and is extremely common across the US and really across the entire world, and that's symptoms of anxiety. And that's not to say that people have an anxiety disorder, which some people will kind of like then tack on that as like a disorder as a whole, but I think feelings of anxiety and sometimes um, reoccurring feelings of anxiety can really bubble up for a lot of different people if it's around a specific situation or maybe is just like a theme within someone's life and how they're really handling different circumstances that come up. And according to the Census Bureau of Households, there is about 50% of 18 to 24 year olds have symptoms of anxiety and depression. And 32% of adults have symptoms of anxiety or depression. And women are two times more likely to experience these symptoms than men. And throwing another fact at you, <laughs> 60% of people don't find treatment for it. So 60% of the people that do feel this don't have any way to ha- on how to handle it. They have no idea. And they're like, honestly, it's this kind of like grin and bear it kind of approach that I'm just going to feel this state of unsettledness, of stress, of uncertainty and fear truly is I think what a lot of it stems from. And I'm just going to be able to like, take it. I'm just going to live with it because I don't know how else to handle it. And it might be a a fear or even um, another added anxiety is to even try to figure out how to really handle it. And I think Anxiety comes in like varying levels. And I think we all know that. And it can be really mild. It can be something where you just feel a little unsettled. Um, You might just be feeling a little anxious. or you might just have reoccurring thoughts that are keep reappearing. Uh, But then I think you can go to more you know, medium level or heightened anxiety where, you know, you're having a hard time concentrating, you become fidgety, you're F, like restless, um, you can't really focus on anything. And like, you might even be causing cortisol, which is the stress hormone to be pumped into your system, because you're kind of feeling like you're in danger in a way, or like, at least our thoughts are creating that feeling within us, or our thoughts about a situation can be making us feel unsafe. And whatever that means, if that's in physical harm or emotional or like, you know, spiritual harm too. And I think then high levels can be in those more extremes, which tend to be more connected when you actually have an anxiety disorder, or maybe there's like a more like acute situation that's occurred, which is like feelings of panic, extreme difficulty focusing and executing tasks, which leads to an avoidance of work and responsibilities. And sometimes for some, this like complete retreat within where you just kind of cut out the world because you don't want to engage with anything because you feel like you're going to be triggered even more by it. And then you might to a certain extent become debilitated by it. And this, again, this is coming in varying levels affects 50% of Americans within the ages of 18 to 24 years old and 36% of adults. So like, this is a large portion of people that are experiencing this on a normal basis. And I'm one of them. And I have been since I was very young. I, you know, I think I think the first times I remember having anxiety was probably in middle school. Um, I was a very anxious kid. Um, I've always had a really active, overly active mind, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I think that I would always be worried about something, you know, like worried about either my parents or my sisters or my families or how people looked at me or how people saw me or like my grades or, you know, trying to be better at what I wanted to do or whatever, you know, like, or, you know, how my peers were viewing me or interacting with me or what they said. And so I think I've always just had this tendency in all honesty to just just like be concerned. 
<laughs> to be, I was a concerned little girl and I always was very sensitive. And I think also when people, especially empaths and people that feel emotions on a more heightened um, and, you know, really intense level, we also then kind of get pulled in a lot of different directions um, on a regular basis as well. And even, you know, from the ages of 13 to 17 years old, 27% of that age group also experiences symptoms of anxiety and depression. So this is across the board affecting millions upon millions of people. And the only way I found relief from it was when I started finding yoga and meditation. And I think when I was younger, I definitely learned my coping skill was drinking um, or smoking weed. Sometimes smoking weed would actually make it worse. So I'd be mindful of that, but there is a large portion of my, you know, child like i would say teen years and definitely early um like late adolescence um when that was exclusively the only time i found relief um and i would go into spirals sometimes if i like especially if there's a certain situation that was coming up that was really triggering me or i felt really out of control about something i would like literally like churn through my mind of like all these different scenarios i would constantly think of what ifs you know, why did they say this? Why did they like, why didn't I say that? Should have said this. Maybe I should reach out. (laughs) It was never a good thing. Let me just tell you that right now. It was never a good thing. And it was something that really, to a certain extent, really deterred me from really being able to be present, to be happy, you know? And then the only time I would like relax was when I would be out drinking with my friends. And then that way I at least wasn't thinking about it. And then I was able to have fun. I was able to just like kind of put it on the back burner and was like, whatever. But that, you know, I, you know, as you guys know, I worked for Teen Link, which we talked about how to cope with stress. That was the main thing. Stress management was, and it was, in, uh, it was, um, suicide prevention presentations that I hosted, but at the end of the day, it was actually a large portion of it was also us discussing stress management tools to be able to prevent someone from getting to the point where they were having um, ideation, suicidal ideation, or even leading to symptoms of depression. And I think extended stress periods uh, over time can lead us to feelings, this constant feeling of anxiety. And I think some are more genetically predisposed to experience that. I probably have a good idea that my family is. Um, But that also in general, there can be this idea that we have all these stressors in our lives. And if we don't have healthy ways to cope with it, they're going to accumulate over time. And they're going to then eventually start to negatively affect us. Or the coping skills that we are using are potentially could then convert us to be able to actually turn into unhealthy ones. So then it's just this cycle that keeps perpetuating this idea of stress, of not enoughness, of fear, of, um, you know, truly, um, in into some cases, loneliness, because we're not able to articulate what we're feeling or share it with others. And there's a lot of different varying degrees of this to where, um, you know, if, so if you're feeling this on an extreme level, I'm going to share some tips and things that I've learned to be really effective for me. But, you know, talk therapy is an excellent way, especially if you have extreme um, trauma. Um, if you have childhood trauma, big T, little T, um, they say like big traumas, like more like extreme circumstances, like events that have occurred, but then little T traumas are accumulation of small stressors that build up over time. And again, if we're not tackling those, if we're not handling them in a constructive manner where we're healing through it, they can also then build up over time and then can cause even more anxiety. So then these little triggers that come up in our lives, um, Eckhart Tolle, which is one of my favorite authors in The Power of No, talked about our pain body and that we have this pain body and it's kind of like, it's all of our history and it's all of the things that have occurred to us. And um, they're like thorns, they get stuck. 
which, you know, they're small and it might not be, you know, it's not going to life threatening necessarily, but if someone runs up, if you have a thorn stuck in your skin, even, you know, freaking like sliver in your skin, you know, and someone and it rubs up against it, even if it's a little just like pinpoint, it can be extremely painful, right? And you think about if you had, um, you know, that little sliver and it's, it's kind of embedded a little bit and it's been around for a while and it's infected around it and it's all red and gross, you know, and um, someone does something and they, it rubs up against it. Even if it's not a big deal and it really is just like a little sliver, it can be extremely painful. And maybe the situation or the circumstance isn't necessarily an equivalent to the pain that you're experiencing, but it's more the history and the infection and the amount that is like kind of like um, condensed around it that creates the pain with it. So if we have these pain points within our lives that we aren't really handling, well, not addressing, and they are getting infected, they're getting worse and worse, even just the slightest touch can really trigger us in an extreme way. And I'm bringing this up, I'm using this analogy really for you to consider some areas in your life where you might have a little bit more of an exacerbated reaction to it because of past wounds right? Or things that have occurred within your life that can lead you into having more of a uh, extreme reaction to things. And when they're not handled, when they're not addressed, they can, they tend to just get worse, right? Over time. So being able to acknowledge what these pain points are for you and to really seek out the healing and uh, the, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? the treatment, if you will, the medicine that you need to in order to move through it and past it. And if that's talk therapy, if that's somatic therapy, if it's Reiki healing, if it's yoga, if it's journaling, whatever that is for you, I think we can all find different forms of healing. And that modality is going to be dependent on what's most effective and what really resonates with you. And not everything's going to resonate the same with different people. And um, I I think first and foremost, that's kind of one of the ways to be able to really tackle um, anxiety before it becomes a real issue, a real problem and a deterrent for you to be able to live your life fully. And, um, that, and that can also lead to depression, which then kind of keeps us in this like abyss of despair, you know, and I don't think anyone wants to live that way, but I think if you don't know how to get out of it, it can just become the default and what we almost become accustomed to. And it feels like it's normal, but it's not. And I don't want anyone to ever feel like that's all their life can be because it can be so much more than that. And I have experienced that firsthand myself. I have struggled with depression on and off my entire life. I have struggled with anxiety on and off my entire life. These have been themes for years, for as long as I can remember. Um, But the more that I address them, the more that I heal through the different causes, the different pain points, I'm pulling out all the slivers, I'm pulling out all the thorns, the more that I can actually embrace my life. And I think I learned to numb as a young, young child, because I thought if I repress it, I don't think about it. If I avoid it, I don't have to, it's like, it's not there. And that's, as we know, just not the case. And the least I, the less I try to numb, the more I try to feel the more I feel the full spectrum of my emotions, not just, and I do feel the sadness, trust me, that's there too. But then I also get to feel the joy. I get to feel the um, exuberance of life and to be able to show up fully, to empathize fully, to be able to really hold space for people in the more holistic sense, because I'm able to hold space for myself. So 
Hence the reason why I felt the need to talk about this, because I think it really needs to be addressed and it's far more common than we want to even admit. And I, um, I've been feeling it extremely lately, to be perfectly honest. To be frank, what's going on with me right now is I've been struggling with anxiety the past week, and I have not had this in a really long time, and I feel like I'm freaking my car eye. And so I was like, whoa, whoa, bitch, whoa, bitch, you need to calm down. And I was like, I need to like address this. I need to do my practices. I need to do the things that heal me, that help me get through things. And that is what exactly what I want to talk about with all of you. So if you've been feeling it too, that Scorpio season, we talked about that last week. We're going into the depths. We're going into those healing points. We're going into the feels. And with that can stir up some stuff. And so kind of extracting that, pulling it up to the surface, being open and willing to feel through it. And then also to be able to handle it so that we're not just spiraling, but that we're taking it one step at a time. We're pulling it all out, but you know, one bucket, we're throwing it, we're dealing with it, letting it absorb and then moving forward. I don't even know what the fuck that analogy was for, but you guys know what I mean. Okay. Well, at least I hope you do. Um, Anyways, we're taking it each dose at a time, right? And as we do that, like we bring up one issue, we address it, we feel into it, we heal through it. And then it's kind of almost like you got to discard that before you can tackle the next thing. And that way, instead of us just like pulling everything up to the surface and like, just like, you know, when you like go through your closet and you try to clean your entire closet and organize it, and then you end up just having a bunch of shit and clothes all over the floor. Instead, we're doing it in sections right? So I encourage you if you're doing these things, I feel like I'm going rambling, but we'll wrap this up. Do that, but then use some of these practices in between so that you can handle it with a little bit more care and attention. And honestly, to be more compassionate and kind to yourself as you move through it so that we can feel, but then also find a little joy because doing the work is great, but life is meant to be enjoyed as well. So don't be too hard on yourself. Okay. With that, my first tip for if you're feeling anxiety, which is taught across the board with a lot of different um, counselors, is to breathe. First and foremost, we control our nervous system by following and leaning into our breath and listening to our breath. Our breath is a great barometer for how we're feeling in our internal world. I've talked about this on the pod a lot, and it is critical that you have some easy go-to practices for your breath. And if that is taking a pause, sitting down, closing your eyes, and counting each cycle of breath up to 10. Inhale one, exhale one. Inhale two, exhale two. Inhale three, exhale three. All the way up to 10. And that is a great, simple, easy way to just turn off. And it actually, it, so if we're in that fight or flight mode, which tends to be triggered when we're feeling anxiety, we lose contact with our prefrontal cortex. We go into this fear mindset and we tend to just like anything just kind of swirls and blows up in a bigger, much bigger than it needs to be. So when we take the time to consciously step back, to shift more into the observer state of being, then we're able to give ourselves the more objective view of whatever's occurring and also to bring our nervous systems back down so we can actually feel a little bit more relaxed as we do so. So counting to 10, or if you want to use a four count breath, so inhale for one, two, three, four, exhale, four, three, two, one. If you want to use a lengthen 
um, exhale, that will also then trigger your parasympathetic nervous system, which is a nervous system that's linked with rest and restore and eat eating. So it's more of that relaxed state. I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I'm in a space where I can truly ease into myself into the moment without this fear that something bad's going to happen to me. Okay. And so we can actually trick our minds into feeling that way, even if we might be in a more heightened state when we first begin. So it's inhale for four, exhale for six. Sometimes that triggers people and it makes them feel more restricted within their breath. So if that's the case, then just discard and switch just into those big belly breathing inhale. And you can even consciously think of like touching your lower belly and your heart feeling the breath fill up through those two areas all the way through that front line and then exhale as you push out kind of just extracting some of that stress and that might be the breath exercise that you do inhale feeling calms exhale releasing your stress inhale i feel calm exhale i release the stress i release control i release the need the anxiety that i'm experiencing right now whatever feeling, thought, whatever pattern suits you, feels right, and is effective. That's all I care about. You're going to choose, take what you want of these, leave what you don't. Okay. So those are the three breathing exercises. Oh, wait. And the third one, I was like, wait, I was like, I did talk about a few different ones and those are three of them. But the last one is the alternate nostril breathing or Nadi Shadana. And this actually is scientifically proven to help activate our parasympathetic nervous system, equalize the amount of flow of oxygen through both hemispheres of your brain and is allowing you to become, come into a more relaxed state as well. So I'll guide you through that one. It's a little bit more complicated. I think the first two are ones that anybody can incorporate and it's like, you don't even have to think twice about it. I also have a um, guided um, alternate nostril breath um, exercise and video. So if you're interested in accessing that, just give me a wave and I can send it to you. So it's a little bit more, um, kind of broken down and then, or you can like Google it too, but you bring your peace fingers over your third eye and then you hover each finger, your ring finger over your left nostril, your thumb over your right, and then you alternate side to side. So you plug up your right nostril, breathe in through your left, breathe out of your left or no, switch over, breathe out of your right. Inhale through your right side. Full cycle, breathe out of your left. Inhale, left side. Exhale, right. Inhale, right. Exhale, switch over. Yeah. So that's a few cycles. Again, if you want more of a guided version of this, I can lead you through it. And I have a video on that specifically, or you can Google it online if that works too. So those are three different breathing exercises that I use on a regular basis. I take a pause every day, twice a day. I literally will just take one full inhale and exhale, big belly breath and exhale. Again, I reset, I ground myself in that moment and whatever's going on, I just kind of settle back down because I can, you know, I'm moving around. I have a lot on my plate. I have, you know, a single mom. I also have multiple jobs. I am constantly like kind of maneuvering my way through life with like juggling 17 things at the same time. And I love it. All things I love. So I'm grateful for my life and the life that I've created for myself. But at the same time, it can be a lot to manage. And so for me, 
doing these little like simple practices gives me an opportunity to root back down into my center, into my heart, into my soul. And that's really where I can then lead from. And then again, access my intuition to be that guiding force in whatever I do. So the second anti-anxiety technique that I have incorporated into my daily rituals and is a non-negotiable for me is spending time in nature. So I will spend at least 10 to 15 minutes in nature almost every day. And that could be going for a walk specifically going somewhere, seeking it out, like going laying at the beach or going for a walk along the beach or just walking around a neighborhood. Sometimes I just sit in the grass. I've talked to you guys about this one a few different times. And it's because it's one that I is like an absolute for me and is so effective. And you know, it's scientifically proven. It's called um let me make sure I'm saying this right. Shinren Yoku. It's um, in the Japanese culture, it's called forest bathing. And they've done an immense amount of research in this area to be able to prove, scientifically prove the benefits of spending time in a more um, recluse and um, forested area. And I think, and especially within Japan, you can be in the city and literally never see a you know tree. Actually, I've been to Japan a few times in part Japanese. Um, I have a lot of family that still lives there. And there is like different parks in different areas and a lot of wildlife throughout all of the cities. But at the same time, there's like huge buildings, huge cities. And unless people go out of their way, sometimes they don't have access to it. And so being able to spend time in nature. And I think across the board, we can all do that. We can literally come from our cars into a building, back into our cars and back to our homes and spend no time, even smelling fresh air. Think about that. But there is within the study, specifically within Japan, there is evidence that shows that you can, you have lower levels of cortisol, your pulse rate reduces, blood pressure reduces. Um, you have a greater parasympathetic nerve activity. So we're activating our parasympathetic nerve um, nervous system than we do when we're in these other environments. And the types of hormones that are released within your body is oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine. When we have that light exposure, when we're experiencing, we're actually even maybe potentially putting our feet on the ground to be able to feel the earth underneath us, to be able to expel some of those, um, you know, negative charges within our bodies because the ground is able to absorb them. Grounding is also another practice that I found extremely beneficial for myself to be able to just kind of like release negative emotions that are in my body. And that's, you know, I've been known to hug a tree every once in a while. I mean, my daughter does it too. She loves it. And so I think sometimes we ignore this desire to engage with nature, but in actuality is designed to help serve us, to be able to help calm us, to be able to make us feel more centered and connected with our, the greater good, you know, with that greater divinity of mother earth, you know, we are, we come from it and we get absorbed back into it, you know, and so Sometimes I think we feel like we're detached from it, but it's all there as a resource to us and a resource for us to be able to have a deeper and more genuine connection with ourselves and our souls. So forest bathing, spending time in nature, whatever that means for you, maybe walking in the grass with your shoes off if you can, or on a beach, like all of these things are going to play a huge part and are going to make you feel a lot better, especially if you're feeling a little cerebral the thoughts are circulating just go for a walk if you can if you can go somewhere where it's warm you can take your shoes off and you can walk somewhere where your feet are actually physically connected to your ground again fantastic 
you know, you think about houses that need that grounding wire in order to make sure things don't get go haywire. It's the same for humans. So like, take your time, do these things. It will make a difference. And I like to talk about the scientific benefits of it, but I can guarantee you if you just do this, that you will feel the effects of it. And I know that I do. And that's why it's, be, it's become a non-negotiable for me within my life. And I just go and I breathe and I just am there. And again, I can do a breathing exercise while I'm sitting in the grass. Boom. You did both at the same time. And I think that, you know, obviously you can do this once you're feeling triggered, when something comes up for you, but also if it's a preventative measure. So like, so if you're, if I do this on a regular basis, I tend to be less like likely to get pulled into different directions, right? So then when I'm able to do that, then I'm able to handle situations that come up or conflicts that come up in a more constructive way because I'm feeling more grounded from the beginning. And, um, you know, I, I meditate often as well. So that's also a great practice just to be able to shift into that more of the observer of your mind. I talk about meditation so much on the pod that I didn't want to necessarily talk about it in this particular episode, but know that that is, these can all then be kind of sprinkled with a little bit of a meditation or mindfulness practice. Um, if it's, um, just, you know, following your breath for the amount of time that occurs, which is essentially all meditation is, or if you want to, you know, go out into nature and kind of do a breathing exercise, or even just notice your environment as you're walking through nature can be then another way to incorporate mindfulness meditation into these other two. Okay. And um, the third one is move. You know, so many of the somatic practices um, and experiencing that has been, you know, kind of deemed this really kind of this movement that's going on right now, but is extremely, extremely effective in healing um, addiction, of uh, healing um, anxiety and depression. Um, I personally have found that moving your body, finding that mind-body connection, which is what somatic therapy t- technically is, is essential. It is crucial for my well-being. Hands down, no doubt about it. Guarantee if you find like we have this energy stored within our bodies and if it gets if we don't move it, it gets stuck. So if you're feeling anxious about something, I have to ground. So I like doing things that are kind of focused on my pelvis, on my feet, my legs. So I will go for a walk, like I was saying before that again, you can tie that all in together. You can breathe go into nature and go for a walk. So you're breathing, you're in nature and you're moving. Boom. You got all three. And like, how simple is that? You can literally do that on your lunch break, uh, anytime during the day, at night, in the morning, during the, like in any environment. And if you don't feel safe with where you are, then going somewhere where you can fully relax and you're not having to look over your shoulder. Okay. So that is another one that I feel like if you're in it, it releases endorphins, any kind of movements can release endorphins. But if I can't get outside, I love to dance. I was just dancing earlier today. I put music into my headphones and I literally like <laughs> dance around. It might be twerking one day and then other days it's like, like a, I don't know, like a modern movement that I'm just like throwing my arms around and swirly. Like I love to move. I love, I, I should have honestly, I feel like I should have been a ballerina. I did, was not actually did take ballet when I was younger and I did a lot of modern jazz and um, hip hop dancing when I was in high school. But I, even now to this day, I just like to kind of like get out of my head. The key, that's the number one reason I get out of my head. I get into my body. 
And that's why I also found yoga to be extremely beneficial for myself as well. But then I think, especially if you're new to yoga, it can be actually kind of anxiety producing, even the thought of going to a studio or the, you know, stress of learning the postures and doing all the things. So like that doesn't necessarily have to be that for you. But having a grounding practice and a movement practice, I do think is really helpful in uh, challenging times or even just if you're feeling overwhelmed by something. This can be a way to kind of help get that stuck energy, get it moving, get it flowing. And, you know, also that movement can allow ourselves to reframe a situation to be able to think about it in a new light or even to get out of shift out of this kind of fight flight mode or these high surges of cortisol within our system feeling like something's life or death to be able to just reduce the anxiety to be able to reduce the feelings that it's that you're in danger and to be able to shift into that more receptive more calm state and um, I think whatever works for you, if that's running, if that's walking, if that's dancing, if it's yoga, if it's playing basketball, if it's playing soccer, if it's playing whatever, you know what you want to do, just do it. Swimming. I know a lot of people that swim. And I like the idea of swimming because it also then like requires we can't really hear anything. So then and you have to really sync up with your breath. But I think that's what I at least really value about my type of exercise is the breath becomes the priority. The breath is what I'm like, literally when I teach yoga, that is I cue breath like a mother, like a motherfucker. <laughs> it just seems aggressive when I'm talking about yoga and breath, but, <laughs> but it's true. Like I cue it because that is what I want people to be paying attention to. I don't like, yes, I want you to stay safe. I want people to like feel their bodies. I want them to be able to enhance whatever the posture is to be able to find a alignment in order to feel supported and strong. But at the same time, what I care about more than any of that is I want people to be breathing. I want them to feel connected to themselves into the moment. And I want them to be able to activate their nervous system in a really like healing kind of way and to be able to get lost a little bit in the flow and the dance in the moment so that we can turn off our brains for gosh darn second so that we're able to just slip into this more the samadhi, where truly this blissful state that I think we have access to more than we care to admit, um, but that we have to take the conscious effort to tune into it to be able to access it. And I think that that's the thing that people don't get is that people that are calm and are tranquil or Zen are, are not just like that for no reason. They fucking do the work to be able to be that way. And I can, I, you know, I'm not trying to get upset, but I, I'm telling you, I'm not naturally calm. I'm not. That is not my natural state. You know, they always say like, you know, joy is our natural state. Yes. Okay. I like to feel joyful, but there's years of my life where I was constantly in fear. I was constantly stressed. I was constantly worried. I would literally go into these crazy scenarios in my mind about situations that could occur that had no connection to reality that literally would send me into a tizzy. Like for years, for years of my life. I, 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 until I found yoga when I was like 24, 25, that is where I was most of the time, unless I was drinking. So... I had to find other coping skills for myself in order to be able to handle life because we all got stress. We all got shit. And do I then slip back into my old ways sometimes? Hell yes. Like, do I sometimes allow my brain to take over? Do I sometimes allow my stress and my like anxiety to skyrocket? Yes. Do I want to? No. Do I mean to? No. Do I try everything humanly possible to prevent me from doing this? Yes. 
And these are things that I know and have been proven within the counseling and psychology and mental health like world and realms to be effective. And that's why I'm sharing them with you. You don't need necessarily need a counselor. Maybe you do, but you don't necessarily have to go to talk therapy in order to find relief from this. And that's what I wanted to be able to share because I think that, again, like I said, 50% of 18 to 24-year-olds experience symptoms of anxiety and depression. 50%. Millions of people suffer through this and just feel like that's all they do. Like 60% of people don't seek treatment. So you don't have, this doesn't have to be your norm. This doesn't have to be the end all be all. This doesn't just have to be your new reality. You can find ways to be able to channel this energy in a more constructive way. And more importantly, you can find ways to be able to like conduct the energy that's in you towards your goals, towards your passions, towards what you want to create instead of the things that you're trying to avoid or you fear. And I think that these are all tools that I've used to just turn off my mind. And then from there, shifting your mindset is going to then, that's what we have to recreate the patterns, recreate the thoughts to be able to direct them towards what you desire instead of what you fear and what you don't want. And that's a whole nother pod. (laughs) But I think that these are like little simple switches that you can turn on when you're starting to kind of kind of reach that state where you feel you have the tightness in your chest, when you feel that pit in your stomach, when you start to feel like the world's against you, because it's not the world's on your side. The universe will conspire to help you once you know what you want, but you have to know what you want first and you have to be willing and receptive to hear it out and to receive that medicine, to receive the goodness, to receive the love. And then from there, the world's world's your oyster. Okay. I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for showing up because that's all we can really do. 99% of life is just showing up and I'm trying to show up as fully and most authentically as I can for all of you so that hopefully you hear the honesty and the purity within my voice and my intent to truly just try to help and make this world a better place because I think we all deserve to be happy. We all deserve to feel joy. We all deserve to find fulfillment and purpose. And that's exactly what I'm here to hopefully be able to help direct you towards your own version of it, because I don't have all the answers, but you do. And if we are able to turn off the chatter of our minds, sometimes we're able to hear those whispers of our soul within our hearts. And then we can, that can guide us. That can lead us in direction that we already know that we need to go into. All right. Want to catch me? Find me on the gram at Ferrachino, F-E-R-R-A-H-C-H-I-N-O. You can also check out my website, coachingwithfarah.com, um, or you know, email me, coachingwithfarah at gmail.com. Whatever is easiest for you. I love you. I appreciate you. I care about you. I want the best for you. I do. And I might not even, I don't even know you, but I can guarantee you that I only want the best for anybody in this world because that's what we all deserve. Namaste. Namaste.